This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Let'sTalkIdeas.org, your budget-friendly custom design firm in Diamond Key, British Virgin Islands. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Puerto Rico Status Act loses momentum in-house. Guyana's oil boost has second-quarter earnings to... 667 million U.S. dollars. The U.S. Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority says it needs 48 million dollars in funding for fuel from government to stay afloat. Government of the U.S. Virgin Islands purchases 23 new Teslas for 1.35 million dollars and Jamaican diaspora to stage massive Jamaica 60 celebrations in the United States. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, July 28. We start a report today in Puerto Rico. Latino Rebel reports that the momentum for the Puerto Rico Status Act has ground to a halt in the U.S. House of Representatives after the island's resident commissioner, Jennifer Gonzalez Colon, was unable to garner more Republican support for the bill she helped negotiate. With unified Republican opposition, we need every Democrat, said Representative Raul Grijalva, Democrat of Arizona, chair of the House Natural Resources Committee, which has jurisdiction over Puerto Rico. The representative said the sudden increase in lobbying against the bill is not about process, as some advocates have claimed, but instead about maintaining the island's current colonial status. The Puerto Rico Status Act represents compromise between two competing bills, the Puerto Rico Statehood Admission Act, sponsored by Representative Darren Soto, Democrat of Florida, and backed by resident commissioner Gonzalez Colon and the the Puerto Rico Self-Determination Act, sponsored by Representative Nidia Velasquez and backed by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York. The bill outlines a process by which the people of Puerto Rico would decide the island's future status and how the transition to whichever status chosen would be carried out. It includes a plebiscite scheduled for November 2023 in which the voters of Puerto Rico would be given a choice between three options, independence, sovereignty, and free association with the United States, or statehood. Crider News reports that Hess Corporation on Wednesday reported that it achieved a net income of 667 million US dollars in the second quarter of 2022 compared with a net loss of 73 million US dollars in the second quarter of 2021. The Hess Corporation said the improvement in after-tax earnings compared with the prior year quarter adjusted results was primarily due to higher realized selling prices in the second quarter of 2022. Increased production at its operations in Guyana also contributed to its sizable net profits. At the Straber Block, where it has a 30% working interest, has said net production totals 67,000 barrels of oil per day in the second quarter of 2022, compared with 26,000 barrels of oil per day in the prior quarter year. Hess and its co-venture partners currently have four sanctioned developments in the Straber block. 
The Lies of Phase One development, which began production in 2019, and it reached a new production capacity of more than 140,000 gross barrels of oil per day in the second quarter of 2022, following production optimization work. Schreiber Block is 6.6 million acres. Exxon Mobil Affiliates SO Exploration and Production of Guyana Limited is operator of the oil rich concession and holds 45% interest. Hes Guyana Exploration Limited holds 30% interest. And China National Offshore Oil Corporation Petroleum Guyana Limited holds 25% interest. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority has projected that it will need $48 million in fuel subsidy from the government to prevent the company from running out of cash in the next fiscal year. Andrew Smith, Chief Executive Officer and Executive Director of the Authority, told Senators during the latest budget hearing before the Committee on Finance on Wednesday that the estimation is based on the current fuel prices on the world market. We're relying on government support to not run out of cash. We pay for fuel, we pay for debt, we pay for payroll, and that's it, Mr. Smith remarked, noting that the company only has an average of $70,000 left back after making these monthly payments. Jacob Lewis, financial chief officer of the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, said the cost of the fuel subvention needed was calculated based on electricity consumption and the cost of production. Today, for the fiscal year 2022, WAPA has received approximately $20 million from the U.S. American Rescue Plan to offset the cost of fuel in its operations. The Virgin Isles Consortium also reports that the government of the Virgin Isles, through the VI Energy Office, has purchased 23 new Tesla electric vehicles for $1.35 million, or just under $60,000 for each vehicle. The vehicles were purchased with a $2 million grant in funding sought by the Energy Office and the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority from the U.S. Department of Interior's Energizing Insular Communities Fund. The Energy Office said that the 23 base level Tesla Model YS and Model 3S will join the Virgin Islands government fleet and begin navigating the roads across the U.S. territory. The vehicles will be positioned across multiple agencies, with 15 vehicles assigned to the central government and eight joining the VI Water and Power Authority fleet. Kyle Fleming, director of the Virgin Islands Energy Office and chairman of the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority board, told the Virgin Islands Consortium on Monday that the remaining funding from the $2 million grant will be used to build charging stations with 10 already in the territory and a rapid rollout ongoing with 100 expected by the end of 2022. Mr. Fleming also said that the Virgin Islands Energy Office will be offering rebates beginning in October for electric vehicles and charging stations, as well as exploring EV specific financing options to rapidly increase access to these vehicles to the broader community. 
Jamaica Information Service reports that Jamaicans throughout the United States, including the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Georgia, Florida, California, Seattle, Illinois, and New York, are set to celebrate Jamaica 60 with a range of activities over several days. The events have been organized by the Embassy of Jamaica, the Consulate in New York and Miami, and various honorary consulates alongside diaspora organizations. The action officially kicks off today, Thursday, July 28, at 7 p.m., with the next online town hall meeting, Let's Connect with Ambassador Marks. The Let's Connect, which is hosted by Jamaica's ambassador to the United States, Audrey Marks, will feature updates of planned activities. On Sunday, July 31st, the Embassy of Jamaica will host a service of Thanksgiving at the Silgo Seven-Day Adventist Church in Tacoma Park, Maryland at 11 a.m. to mark the 60th anniversary of Jamaica's independence. On August 13th, the Jamaica Association of Maryland will stage its Jamaica 60 Gala under the patronage of Her Excellency Audrey Marks. The 18th Annual Jamaica Diaspora Day of Prayer and Fasting, a global prayer service for spiritual renewal and transformation of Jamaica, will be on Saturday, July 30th, beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. The online event will bring together Jamaicans in the diaspora in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, and elsewhere. And a two-day D.C. World Reggae Festival endorsed by the Embassy of Jamaica will take place on Saturday, August 20th and Sunday, August 21st. It will be held at the RFK Festival Grounds in Washington, featuring some of Jamaica's top entertaining acts, including Barris Hammond, Beanie Man, Third World, and Atana. For a full schedule of events and to read more information, visit Jamaica Information Services' website. And finally, Jamaica Information Service reports that Pan-American Health Organization member countries with lagging COVID-19 vaccine coverage have been urged to ensure their hospitals are adequately prepared to care for an anticipated influx of patients. Pan-American Health Organization Director Dr. Caricia Ethian says, while the COVID-19 cases across the region have broadly decreased for the first time in five weeks, with deaths remaining stable, hospitalization and intensive care unit admissions are up in more than eight countries. Infections are still high. More than 1.6 million new COVID cases were reported in our region over the last week, and several countries are still experiencing a rise in cases, she added. Dr. Ethian said among the countries with climate infection rates are Canada, up 20%, as well as Costa Rica and Honduras. She also informed that the greatest surges were reported in Bolivia, Ecuador, Peru, and Venezuela, among South American countries. In the Caribbean, Cuba, Guadeloupe, French Guyana, and Trinidad and Tobago continue to observe increasing COVID-19 hospitalizations and ICU admissions, the director added. She emphasized that without adequate vaccination, we leave ourselves and our families vulnerable to this evolving virus. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, July 28th. I'm Keisha Wallace. Bye.
For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.